Hello everyone, this is your host Ramakrishna from Usha Investment Group LLC. Welcome back to Multifamily AP360, the show where we discuss 360 degrees views on mindset, passive and active multifamily investing. For those who are looking for tips, strategies, best and challenging experiences. Also, I request you to share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Today's our guest is Bryce Robertson from Cultivate Collective. Welcome, Bryce. Good day, Rama. Thanks for having me, mate. Sure. And a little bit about Bryce. Bryce Robertson, your real estate mate, is an RC-born real estate investing entrepreneur, number one international best-selling author, world traveler, and adventurer. Bryce began his investing career with a negative net worth, unseasoned credit, and a mid-2000 in the bank. Having raised millions of dollars and a culmination of success in mobile home park investing, Bryce lives in the freedom of Trinity of financial time and location freedom. Bryce is host to the YouTube channel video podcast Freedom Hack Radio, co-author of 10,000 Miles to the American Dream. He writes weekly articles for bigger pockets and has a number one top selling mobile home park investing and capitalizing home study courses. So with that, Bryce, share me a little bit more about your your book and also your dream, 10,000 Miles to the American Dream. Yeah, you see, um, you know, I, I grew up in Australia and I, I got to high school and I realized there was no way I was going to go to college or university. Um, so and I had no idea about entrepreneurship or business at the time. And so I ended up getting what I thought was the best paying job, blue collar job out there. And I got an apprenticeship as a steel fabricator welder. And then I ended up going out to the underground gold mines in Western Australia and working out there, getting as much money as I could. And then I saved up enough money to embark on an adventure that I wanted to have. And that was to travel the world for six years. I did that. And here's how I did it. I went over to London. I started there and I, had, I set up my base camp there because that's where I worked and I made my money. And I would work 10 to 12 hours a day, five to seven days a week, save up a chunk of cash for a few months. And then I would go travel for Europe. And then I would come back when my money ran out. And then I would work again and then go to Africa. And I did that whole UK, Europe and Africa cycle for three years. Then I ended up uh, wanting a change of scenery. So I went over to a small ski village called Fernie in the Rocky Mountains in British Columbia, Canada. And I actually just went there for the snowboarding. And then I realized they had some coal mines there. So I started a business in the coal mines and then uh, ended up staying there for two years. And when I wasn't working in the mines, I was just spending my time snowboarding, downhill mountain biking, uh, firefighting, and enjoying the mountainous activities. And because I was enjoying so much of what I was doing there, I didn't really travel during those two years when I was in Canada, and it enabled me to save up even more cash. And this time uh, after Canada, I went on an 18-month surfing and scuba diving trip down in Central and South America. and. In the last six months of that tour, that's when I met my wife, who's a native from California. And uh, so we ended up naturally here in the US. And so 12 years ago, we planted here in the US. And when we came here, my wife and I made an agreement that we wanted to recreate this type of freedom lifestyle that uh, I'd been living, except this time we wanted to do it, number one, so our money doesn't run out. And number two, so our money keeps growing while we're having fun and living the freedom lifestyle that we want to live. And 
And then when I came over here, you know, in the beginning, I, I started working on the three main ways that we can make big bucks. And that's owning a business, real estate, and the stock market. I also think cryptocurrencies fits into that stock market category, but it wasn't really a thing back then. So in the beginning, I actually was doing about seven different side hustles, trying to make a break as an entrepreneur. And I realized I was having mediocre success. I was spinning plates. And then I, I knew that I had to laser focus on one thing. Now, at the time, I had a 20-year background in construction and construction management. So I knew it was going to be real estate, but I didn't know exactly what it was going to be. So I looked at all the different ways to make money in real estate, mobile home parks, self-storage, uh, multifamily apartments, single family, notes, uh, wholesaling, fixing and flipping, the whole kit and caboodle. And over and over and over again, mobile home parks kept popping off the page, massive supply and demand in favor of uh, mobile home park owners, excellent cash flow, great tax benefits, um, hardly any competition, and also getting to fulfill what I believe is the biggest need in American real estate, and that's the need for affordable housing. So I decided, okay, I'm all in on mobile home parks. And so three months later, I put my first mobile home park under contract. And when I did that, I was not in the position to be able to close on that purchase myself because I had a negative net worth, $2,000 in the bank and unseasoned credit. So I ended up leaning on family and friends to bring the capital into the deal to fund the deal so we could get it closed. And that's what we did. Three months later, we ended up closing on the deal, brought a couple of friends in to join me. And then after I closed that deal, two things happened. First thing is I felt like I was 10 foot tall and I realized I could do bigger things with other people. Second thing I realized was that there was a massive need and a lot of value to be provided for investors to join me in my deal in what we call the syndication method, where we bring investors in to join, to fund deals and join us on deals that they don't do the work for. And so uh, for the next two and a half years, I ended up rinsing and repeating the whole syndication method, doing bigger and better deals. And then after two and a half years, I became financially free, retired myself uh, and my wife from our uh, previous careers. And now we work because we choose to, not because we have to. And uh, shortly after that is actually when I met Mr. Reed Goosens, who I know that you've had on your show previously, Rama. And uh, he was collecting a group of Australians who had similar stories to me, uh, had become financially free through real estate, but we all did it in different ways. I did it through mobile home parks. Uh, Reed did it through multifamily apartments. And there was actually six other authors that did it in six other other ways in real estate. Um, and then we ended up getting together collectively and writing a book called 10,000 Miles to the American Dream. And it's our story of financial freedom. So we basically share our stories and our strategies of how we became financially free and, and the abundant, amazing opportunity that exists here in the US that really, from my experience of traveling to 60 countries, doesn't exist anywhere else. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for sharing uh, your background. And and I, I read your book, like 10,000 Miles to the American Dream. It's a great book. And and also you are very passionate about economy. So would you share, and you also do a lot of research on that. So would you share current market situation, you know, high level and, you know, so, and also how that is impacting in a mobile home park space. Mm, yeah, that's a fantastic question. So like you said, I, I am pretty much addicted to studying macroeconomics. Our firm, Cultivate Collective, we help passive investors create financial freedom and expand their wealth 
through recession resistant investments uh, because we believe our investments should perform well during good economic times and even better during down economic times. And if anybody's out there is paying attention to where the markets are at right now, really what's really happening behind the scenes, you will understand the massive importance and need for recession resistance. Um, there's a lot of, I mean, I could go down a lot of different rabbit holes of where we are economically, um, but the collection basically what I believe is that we're, we're about to come on some really, really challenging times. Um, Q1 of 2022 had negative GDP growth. And uh, when we have two consecutive quarters of negative GDP, then we actually have a recession. We're, we're in Q2 right now. We've got a couple of days left in Q2. I believe that we're going to hear in the beginning of July, uh, economists saying that we're officially in a recession. Um, there's a lot of other things that are happening behind the scenes. I mean, essentially, the best way to explain it is we're, we're, we're in a house of cards. We're in a very, very unstable foundation. Um, the US dollar is very weak. Um, that we're in a everything bubble. We're in a real estate bubble, a stock market bubble, um, just about everything bubble. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I think we've definitely gone past a point of no return. The big question mark I have is when is the big crash going to happen and how bad is it going to be? And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's equal to or even greater than the intensity of the Great Depression. And uh, the hardest thing is to actually figure out when it's actually going to happen. Um, it could start happening. I mean, bankers, uh, the, the top bankers from um, JP Morgan and Bank of America, they're all saying this summer is going to be an economic hurricane. Literally their words, they're saying it's going to be an economic hurricane. Um, they, they said it's even going to be worse than an economic storm. So I know that when things do go down, they have the potential to be quite consequential. And for those investors that are not prepared, I mean, you, all you have to do is go back to 2008, which I believe is a light version of what's coming. And that took a lot of people out, a lot of people that weren't prepared. So how are we preparing to be able to be recession resistant with all of these uh, probabilities and possibilities that surround us? Well, we're being really, really conservative with our underwriting. So, and I would urge that if any of you are passive investors out there and you're looking to invest in deals, that you're getting involved with operators that are taking all of these assumptions into consideration. Here's some of the things we're taking into consideration to mitigate things that we think are potential risks coming into this economic environment. So right now, if we can buy a mobile home park at a six cap and in our business plan, we're planning to either refinance or sell the property in three to five years, then when we sell that property or refinance it, we're underwriting or projecting that we're going to have a 9% cap rate. So we're adding 300 basis points or 3% onto our cap rate to mitigate against the potential of cap rates increasing. Another thing we're doing is uh, interest rates are increasing right now. Now, if we can get an interest rate right now, 4%, which is actually what we're getting right now, mobile home park purchases, then if we're going to refinance in three years in our business projections, then we're underwriting that the uh, interest rate is going to be 7%. So again, 
again, we're adding 300 basis points or 3% to our interest rate so that we can mitigate against the, um, the interest rate hikes that are happening. Uh, there's already been a two, I think maybe three this year that have happened and there've been 50 basis points each or half a percent each. Um, you don't have to do too much math to project forward and figure out that there is a high probability that we, there will be an increase of 3% uh, in the next couple of years. Um, other things that we're doing is uh, we are doubling our construction costs because material costs are increasing. Uh, we feel a lot more comfortable about doing construction in the next few months versus doing construction past 12 months from now because we don't know what the price of materials are going to be or if we can even get them. There's a lot of supply chain issues as well. So we've doubled our um, construction costs and we've also doubled our construction timelines um, in all of our projections just because there's a massive understaffing happening all over the world right now. Contractors are completely booked out um, and you know things are taking much longer. Even just getting permits from the city is taking much longer than it ever has before because everybody's so understaffed and so spread thin. So we're doubling our construction costs, doubling our construction timelines. We're doubling and even sometimes quadrupling our property taxes because all of this quantitative easing or money printing that's been happening over the last couple of years uh, has to be paid back by somebody. And we know that the people that are going to have to pay it back is the general public, us. And it's going to come in forms of taxation, taxation in form of, you know, price increases of in um, consumer price inflation, also in property tax increases. There's even talks about um, capital gains tax increases. However, they can tax us. I think we're going to see a lot of those types of things rolling out over the next few years. So we want to mitigate against that as well. Um, we're also being very light and conservative on our rent raises, even though right now in the mobile home park space, um, we've got some parks where we have over 30 uh, people on the waiting list that are qualified pre-screen tenants ready to go in a home, but we just can't find homes and remodel homes quick enough to fulfill the demand. So there's a massive demand uh, in the mobile home park space right now. And actually we right now can raise rents quite a lot and rents are being raised quite quickly, but what's going to happen over the next few years, is there going to be a circumstance where um, rents aren't going to be raised? Uh, so we don't want to be too aggressive with our projections in our rent raises, in our underwriting for our forward looking projections. Now that might be the assumptions that we're taking into consideration when we're evaluating a deal and we're doing forward looking projections for our investors. And we do that because we want to always meet or exceed our projections. But in actuality, um, you know, we're planning to execute on all of our construction projects as quick as we can um, below budget. And we're expecting to raise rents even more than what we're projecting, but we need to be really, really conservative because the way that we look at deals is if all of the possibilities and probabilities of things going wrong could go wrong and do happen and go wrong simultaneously, is this deal still going to make it through and weather the storm? And uh, we believe that with our assumptions, our deals do. Awesome. And thank you for sharing macroeconomics and how exactly you're underwriting, uh, uh, underwriting assumptions for mobile home park space. And there are a couple of follow-up questions. One is like lending side, are you going with, you know, bridge versus no agency debt? And also like, is this, all this uh, like, you know, uh, 
economic or recession indicators impact any kind of returns to investors? Okay, so I think the first question was what kind of debt are we getting right now? Yeah, what 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 kind of debt you are planning for next couple of years or next few years? Yeah, you know, it really depends on, um, you know, what type of parks we get. There's, we can get agency debt on some nicer, larger, cleaner parks, some of the rougher, smaller parks. We have to go with other lenders, sometimes even small local banks. But we're definitely not getting any type of loan where there's an adjustable interest rate. We're getting fixed interest rates. A lot of our, uh, we're pretty heavy on value add. And so we've been buying a lot of properties that have 50% occupancy. So we, you know, in the first six months to a couple of years, we increased the occupancy from 50% to up to like 70 or 80% and then refinance. So we're getting loans that we can refinance, but also um, we have the backstop that if interest rates or economic conditions are just not ideal to be right refinancing, that we're getting loans that are going to last us for, you know, at least five years um, so that we can get through at least what I believe is going to be the worst parts of this. So, you know, there's a lot of options out there now for us in the mobile home park space. It used to be slim pickings for different loan choices, but um, mobile home parks have proven over the years to be the lowest defaulting loans of any type of real estate. And uh, a lot of people have jumped on board. Um, Warren Buffett jumped on board back in, I think it was 2011 or 2013, providing financing for mobile homes or, or an actual system that creates financing for mobile homes. And uh, there's a lot of other lenders and Fannie and Freddie that have jumped on board as well. But I think really the main thing when we're looking at loans is to make sure that we don't have an adjustable rate. Um, that way we can we can know that nothing's going to change on us, you know, mid-deal. Uh, and right now, if you're if you're looking looking to do a buy and hold um, and you're not buying at like 50% occupied, then, you know, I think it's wise to look at loans that are like seven to 10 years so you can get past all of this stuff that's coming. Um, and then, uh, sorry, can you refresh me on what your second question was? So that you see so you're underwriting this very conservatively. So how that is impacting returns for investors? Yeah, so our underwriting is conservative, but the way that we underwrite deals is I told you all of our assumptions, but none of that even is going to pass the test unless our investors are making at least, you know, doubling their money in five years. So essentially through cash flow and equity, once you balance and average everything out over the life cycle, making 20% plus a year. Um, that's how we underwrite our deals. And so we'll put in all of those assumptions. We'll be adding on 300 basis points to the cap rates and the interest rates and doubling construction and doubling construction timelines and all of the things that I mentioned before. And if our investors can still make 20% or more a year, then we move forward on the deal. So what does that mean? So it doesn't make a difference for our investors. Our investors are making the same profits that they would have uh, had we you know, been before this like such conservative underwriting. However, it means that there's less and less deals that are penciling out for us. So uh, you know, really what it means is there's less deal flow for us because uh, we're being very picky and very choosy. I believe that we're very near the top of the real estate market generally as a generalization of all asset classes within real estate. You know, I, I think we're very near to the top and we, we have to be very careful when we're at the top. Um, a lot of people overpay, uh, they get excited and they think that this fruitful abundance is going to happen forever. But we live in cyclical economic environments. 
things go up, things go down. A very good example of that is Bitcoin. You can see that go up and go down. That's a little bit more volatile than a lot of other asset classes, but it's an example of, of how things work cyclically. Things work cyclically uh, in nature. Things work cyclically um, in, in society, and they work like that in the economy as well. Got it. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. So would you share uh, any of your best mobile home park investing? You know, I think one of the, I think the best deal I did was my first deal. Um, one, because I learned so much. It was a 40 space park that I bought in California. Uh, the one where I, I talked about bringing some friends in. We ended up providing, it was, a, I think we had it for 4.3 years. And after everything was said and done, the annual average return to investors was 57.3%. So that really worked out well. And that's not including any of the tax benefits that we, we gained on that one as well. But, you know, I really learned a lot on my first deal and we had excellent returns. So I think that would have, that would have been my best deal so far. Awesome. And, and also, would you see any challenging or worst deal so far? Yeah, you know, I suppose, you know, a lot of deals I've done have been challenging. Um, there's always complexity in involvement in mobile home parks. Um, probably the most challenging deal I had was a 200 space park that I had in Wisconsin. It was like everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong on that park. We ended up still exceeding our projections and our returns to our investors. We no longer have that property anymore. Um, but we went through like four managers until we got a decent manager. One of our managers actually embezzled and stole, I think it was $30,000. She actually collected all of the checks that were uh, from the tenants that were made out to the park. They were in the park's name and the park's business name. And she took them to a check cashing place and was able to somehow get them uh, cashed into her personal name. Uh, and then she went down to the casino and blew that money. Uh, we also, at the same park, we evicted a lady for non-payment of rents. Then where after she was evicted, she came to our manager and said, uh, I am, you know, give me my house back. Otherwise I'm going to burn it down. Um, and then I was actually hiking in a Yosemite national park about a week later. And then as I got out of my hike there, I had a phone call, uh, from a friend that said, hey, you better check the news. One of your homes is burning down in your community. Uh, she actually did burn down the home. <laughs> so, uh, but then she ended up in jail with uh, her two accomplices that actually burnt that down. In addition, we also had some underground water lines that were about 10 feet beneath the ground. And this is in Wisconsin. And of course, when we had our water leaks, that would always happen in wintertime when the ground was frozen. So we had to uh, build a fire on top of the ground Ground and put it put kind of like a hooch tent over the over the fire so that we could heat up the ground enough to be able to dig into it. And then we had to dig 10 feet, sometimes 15 feet down to try and find where the pipe was that was leaking so we could replace it. And, uh, you know, we had a whole bunch of variety of other challenges at park as well. But it was definitely the park that we've had that had the most things go wrong. Got it. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And any of your personal habits that are helping you to be successful? Mm, yeah, you know, I think I think meditation really helps me these days. It really helps me clear my mind and 
balance myself with all of the stress and unknown things that happen and challenges and complexities of business. So I really appreciate um, meditating. I also like to to read as much as I can. I'm actually addicted to self-development. So I love reading books and learning. And um, yeah, I'm really just committed to growth. I like to work out consistently. Uh, I've got a couple of dogs. I've got some pit bulls. Um, I absolutely love those guys. So we, we go hiking all the time and um, we hang out and I'm a very athletic person. So, you know, I like to exercise as well. So yeah, I like to like to keep a balance of spirituality and health as a foundation beneath business. Awesome. Awesome. And any books that impacted your life and what? You know, I think one of the most impactful books was uh, a book by T. Harvecker called Secrets to the Millionaire Mind. Uh, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. Um, that was a game changer. I read that book. I went to one of his events for three days and then I ended up working with him for two years. And he had a massive impact on the way that I look at money, changing my money mindset, really setting me up psychologically to be prepared for business and, and prepared to be an entrepreneur and uh, basically reframing the previous programming that I'd had from society in which I believe society does not really prepare us to be an entrepreneur or a business person that prepares us to be an employee. So I had a lot of changes to make there psychologically and uh, had a huge impact on our life. So much so that uh, we actually had the great fortune. You mentioned our book previously, 10,000 Miles to the American Dream. Um, a few years after working with uh, T. Harvecker, he ended up endorsing our book. Um, so that was a great honor. Awesome. And how can listeners can connect with you, Bryce? Yeah, I, I think the the best way to connect with me is uh, you will leave a, a link in the show notes. We actually have an upcoming mobile home park acquisitions class. It's virtual. So anybody from all over the world can tune in. Uh, the date is June 26th. Uh, it's it's going to be from, I think, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, EST, Eastern Standard Time or New York time. And uh, we're going to be teaching people how to acquire mobile home parks properly and prepare for how to do that in today's market. And all the classes that we actually teach, everybody literally leaves with their own personalized business plan for them to go out there and acquire mobile home parks. And uh, I'll be, be providing a link for that uh, in the show notes. Sure, absolutely. And thank you very much, Bryce. And thanks for sharing, you know, uh, your, your journey and also, you know, macroeconomics and how that is, uh, how you're conservatively underwriting deals for mobile home park space. Thank you very much. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure, Rama. Thank you. Sure. Thanks for listening to Multifamily AP360. Check out the show notes and grab the freebie on our website, ushacapital.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Follow me on my social media. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next time.